Good morning. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today is August the 22nd, 2022, and it is Monday morning, the start of a week, and the best start of the week continues to be my meeting with Jimmy Sexton, CEO of the Esquire Group based in Dubai, where we are systematically discussing the lessons from that great book by Charles W. Adams, Good and Evil, the impact of taxes on civilization. Well, Jimmy, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. I was actually, just as you were reading the intro, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if John Adams would be, or Charles Adams would feel honored here that he has uh, Mondays dedicated to talking about his book. Well, you know, there's a, there's a what's that great uh, classic book, Tuesdays with Maury. Uh, Mitch Album was the author. It's a, it's a bestseller, Tuesdays with Maury, and we'll call these Mondays about Charles. And Mondays or or maybe Charles, Monday, like Mondays it. with Charles, something like that. I Absolutely. like it. I like I'm it. Sure be honored. Well, you know, the book contains 27 uh, either lessons or reinforcements of self-evident truths in life, and we are at 25 which reads as follows, taxes are what we pay for a civilized society, but how we tax and spend determines the extent to which our society is good or evil. Oh my God, truer words were never spoken. Taxes are what we pay for a civilized society, but how we tax and spend determines the extent to which our society is good or evil. All right. I mean, my first comments on this rule is uh, taxes are certainly being paid, but they don't seem to be being paid for a civilized society at the moment. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the U.S. with all these mass shootings and stuff like that, I could hardly argue that that's a civilized society, what's going on down there. Well, you know, there's an interesting Twitter discussion I saw over the weekend about, you know, this whole notion that... Um, you know, taxes are sort of what you pay for government services or something like that. And, and I don't think that's correct at all. You know, particularly in the case of the United States, I think that taxes are just something the government extorts for people for whatever reason. Would you agree? No, absolutely. I mean, look, I think that uh, so much of the taxes that are collected are spent not for the direct benefit of the American people. I mean, so much of it goes to foreign aid and stuff like that, um, that's really the American people are, are, are suffering so that others around the world can, can, can benefit, which, you know, I mean, that hardly seems right. Well, I think the U.S. government would, would probably argue that, you know, uh, as goes the rest of the world, you know, so goes the people of America, and therefore this, this is a benefit. But, but it certainly is, uh, it certainly is at best an indirect benefit. You know, I read a very interesting article yesterday in the Boston Globe, uh, which was talking about basically care for elderly people in the Netherlands mm-hmm. uh, versus care for elderly people in the United States and trying to draw a comparison. Uh, you know, obviously, the comparison, according to the author, would favor the Netherlands, who, you know, which is a country has made a decision to spend you know, very heavily, okay, for the benefit of people who are aging and sort of in the last years of your life, and the contrast being that, 
you know, the United States, at least in terms of public funding, um, you know, would not have made that same commitment. So that's yeah. uh, kind of interesting. I mean I, I mean, I would definitely argue that within sort of the socialist systems that we see in Europe, um, that the citizens and residents are getting far more benefit of the taxes that they pay than the citizens of the United States in terms of direct benefits, right? Um, I mean, the government is really a, a fallback in most socialist countries, um, whereas in the U.S., you're more or less left to fend for yourself. Well, I think that I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, and I think it's one thing to be left to fend for yourself or in a relative sense. But I don't you know, but it, but if that's the situation, then. I don't know that you should be bothered as much along the way while you're trying to fend for yourself. <laughs> well, I would completely agree with that, right? If, if, uh, if, if you're, you should be left alone to, to, to be able to care for yourself the best way possible. I would agree yeah. with that for sure. So in a lot of ways, and this is also true in Canada, uh, by the way, and this is becoming a, you know, a, a hotter and hotter topic that, you know, if the expectation is that people are required to care for themselves, then why not let them alone to do that, right? Rather than sort of yep. you know harass them, harass them every step along the way. Yep. So, so I mean, you know, that, that's the first point. You know, we say taxes are the prices price we pay for civilization. Um, is it possible to have a civilization without taxes, without high taxes? Well, I think it's possible to have a civilization without high taxes. I think it's possible to have a civilized society without high taxes. Um, but I don't think it's possible to have a civilized society without taxes altogether. I mean, for as much as I hate governments, I mean, I think there is governments are required for society to function and they do serve a purpose. I think that the purpose that they should serve is not the purpose that they're, they're serving now. I think it's government needs to be very, very limited in the services that they provide or the benefits. He's not exactly like Ronald Reagan in his 1981 inaugural address where he said, you know, something effective, to be clear, it is not my intention to get rid of the government. So you've recommended that speech to me several times, and I watched it not too long ago. And I was like, I was watching it, and all I could think to myself was, where are Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher today? Well, do you realize, Jimmy, in their day, they were considered to be radicals? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And not particularly loved either. You know, and now, you know, now they would be at best moderates. You know, I mean, this whole role of, of taxation, and I, I came across something fascinating last night. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yesterday I was apparently reading the Boston Globe and looking at some old presidential debates, but you ought to have to take a look at the first Ford Carter debate uh, okay. in, in 1976. And, you know, I looked at it, and other than the quality of the uh, video on that, I mean, nothing has changed. All they were doing was talking about taxes, you know, yep. raising who should pay, etc. I mean, surely there must be something more to political issues than taxation, but apparently not. No, it would appear that, that that's the key issue these days. Well, and then, and then perhaps that it has always been the key issue, right? I mean, 
you know, Charles Adams, of course, you know, takes position that the history of all civilization can be understood in, ta- in terms of taxation. I mean, I think that clearly, clearly the history of the United States is nothing more than, uh, you know, the role of taxation and the development of the country. No, absolutely. I mean, I would agree with you. I mean, look, I think, I think money and people's financial security is probably the most important issue to them. And so it's natural that taxes would be, you know, the, the center issue in politics. But we go back, you know, to say, uh, well, even Reagan in 80 or the Ford Carter 76, you know, this is now almost 45 years. The world has changed a lot. And, you know, tax systems continue to evolve in a way that they become, you know, in fact, for many people, the pillars of financial planning and retirement and things like that. And, you know, so if anything, uh, you know, if anything, this stuff, this stuff is becoming more and more important because it's not as if taxation is becoming less important. It's, you know, taxation is always important, but the role that the tax systems play is, is, is more and more important, I think. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Now, one of the problems, of course, is, and the number one problem is one thing to say, well, you know, taxation is critically important, but, and we've, we've you know, we've touched on this before, but all of these things together suggest to me that this has got to be simplified and the income tax needs to be replaced with something where the tax system cannot be weaponized, right? You know, to go after people, you know, they don't like, I mean, look at, look at the, um, you know, the, the, the situation, for example, about James Comey being audited yeah. or you know, with this Trump stuff that's going on right now. You know what it comes down to is the the accountant for the company or something. You know will testify against the company. You know based on issues of taxation. And as I understand it, this has to do with, uh, if I'm understanding it correctly, with the question of whether asset values were inflated for the purpose of getting loans. And you know, of course, asset values I think are inherently subjective in any case, right? Yep. Yep. So I mean. Do you do you see this stuff as essentially the weaponization of the tax system? You know, to achieve well, yeah. It? I mean, for, I, I mean, absolutely. And I think, and I think it's only going to get. And I mean, beyond the weaponization issue of it, because I think yes, it has been weaponized. But I think the people who have the ability to weaponize it against other people are really a very small group of people, right? I mean, we're really talking about political parties being able to weaponize it against other people within the government or whoever that they might not like. Um, but I definitely think that it's also been weaponized against, you know, at least in the case of America, against the population as a whole um, by making penalties and everything else so draconian that, uh, that they, you know, you have no choice but, but to comply with the ridiculous rules. So, you know, we've talked before about, uh, you know, the idea of, I mean, let's start, go back to this with a consumption tax being a good thing because it's simple. But, but, hold, but hold on, I, I, I want to interrupt and say one thing before we change topic. But I think where we're going to see a big weaponization uh, of the IRS now is with this additional funding that they're going to get 
to go try to audit the rich people, where, as we've discussed before, there's probably not a lot of tax evasion. I mean, most of the tax evasion and noncompliance is going to be, you know, self-employed people writing off personal expenses as business expenses, not reporting cash, stuff like that. But I think there's very little tax evasion amongst the people um, that they're planning on targeting. Do you believe that those are the people they're planning on targeting? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that they want to be able, I think for, for political reasons, they want to be able to show that the audit rate of wealthy taxpayers has, has gone up, that they're not letting the, the rich get away with cheating on their taxes. But it's already come out that, you know, they were saying that these new, um, that basically all this new enforcement would only affect people earning over 400000 and now it's already come out that it's really going to affect everybody making over $200,000. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think they will mostly target the wealthy. Are there enough wealthy people to absorb 80,000 new IRS agents? I mean, you know, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't think all 80,000 are going towards, uh, you know, the wealthy, but I do think that it does take a lot more manpower to audit the wealthy because of their complex structures, often international structures. Um, and it takes takes a higher caliber of, of, of agent to be able to do those audits. Um, they, they say that they're going to increase their customer service, but I would say that that's probably less true. I think we're going to see a lot more collection activity. Maybe not so many audits of, of lower income people, but I think that we're <clears> going to see very aggressive collection activity against everybody that owes money. Well, of course, Americans abroad have very complex returns, right? Relative to resident Americans, and the greater the complexity, yep. the greater the you know ability to uh, argue that tax is owed. And of course, in the case of Americans abroad, because of the forms, it's a fertile ground for penalty assessment, right? For sure. Uh, would you would you imagine that uh, Americans abroad would be a logical target for this? Yeah, I think I, for sure. I think any group of people where the IRS can be confident that there's, you know, some level of non-compliance with penalties that can be assessed that they'll go after. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a very likely scenario, uh, be, you know, just because of the complexity and the ability to assess penalties much more easily. Yeah. But this is, you know, very much the problem with an income tax system that is so indescribably complex, right? And sure. it seems to me that part of the issue is how do you simplify this? And, you know, we've talked about the idea that, um, you know, it's time for the United States to adopt a national sales tax, value added tax sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that would at least ensure that, uh, that everybody pays some tax. I mean, part of the problem with the existing system is that half of people don't pay any tax under it, right? You yeah, know, more than half of them. You know, plus they have a huge, uh, the huge expenses of compliance. So we've got that. But we've also talked before about perhaps the better way to do this is uh, some sort of a revenue tax, right? Just a flat revenue tax rather than, you know, this. Well, for, for sure. And I mean, imagine how much less IRS funding you would need because it would be so easy to administer. Yeah, and I think it also reduces the potential for the weaponization of the tax system, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, because one of the things the IRS, you know, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I started out my career 
you know, defending people in front of the IRS. And what always kind of struck me, and this is unique in, to, to the U.S. in my experience, is even when people make what were clearly uh, inadvertent mistakes, the IRS tax on all the full penalties as if it were intentional, right? And I think that that's really wrong, especially if it's in a case where, you know, it was clearly a mistake. They didn't do it on purpose then, you know, I mean, pay the back tax and interest, sure, but they shouldn't be subject to the draconian penalties as if they did it on purpose. But the IRS just assesses it all every single time, and then you got to fight to get it reduced or, 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 or eliminated, which you rarely win without spending a bunch of money, which most people don't want to do, so they pay the penalties. And that's something that you don't see in many other countries. I mean, many other countries, if it's clearly a mistake, they just kind of say, okay, let's fix it. You pay the tax and your interest and, and move on. Well, why is what you described part of the tax culture in the United States? Why, why do you think that is? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't certainly don't know where it started, but I definitely do know that there's a culture within the IRS of how bad we can screw the taxpayer, right? Like I, I have a uh, a friend of mine who is an enrolled agent and a CPA, and he was an IRS auditor for many, many years. Now he's on the other side and hates the IRS and does taxpayer defense. But when you hear the stories about what the culture is like in, in, in the IRS, uh, you know, it's all kind of an internal competition between the agents of how bad they can screw the taxpayer. <laughs> well, all the more reason for simplification. Absolutely. So I have a question. So going back to rule 25 or, or less than 25 here, taxes are what we pay for a civilized society, but how we tax and spend determines the extent to which our society is good or evil. So to what extent is our society good or evil, John? Well, uh, it's certainly not good. All right. I mean, I, you know, I think that's pretty clear. And the more complex it gets, the worse it gets. Yeah. And I think that the part of the problem is the extent of the role that taxation now plays, right? I mean, you know, the purpose of taxation is not to be front and center in everybody's life. I mean, it's, you know, to establish, I suppose, a base, a base level of civilization, right? Uh, but it's, it's, been completely converted into something else. I think an instrument of terror, basically. Uh, you know, for for a lot of people, and you know that is that has got to stop. I mean, when the history of the United States is finally written, uh, I mean, I think a good part of it probably is going to talk about its tax system. But you, you know what? I mean, even if, I think it really does go beyond. The United States, though. So, you know, for example, I'm in, in Spain right now. A couple of nights ago, we went out to dinner with some friends, all locals here in, in, in Spain, you know, not particularly wealthy people. Uh, but the main topic of conversation over dinner was taxes. And, you know, I didn't bring it up as the tax guy. It's just, as, as you said, it's the, 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 cent the central role in people's lives that is constantly in the forefront of their minds. Yeah. Yeah. And that is that is a very, very serious problem. I mean, it, it basically it means that people aren't free to engage in productive activities. 
Yeah. Without, without this level of stress front and center. And it's completely unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I do, you, do you imagine, I mean, what would it take for, like, I mean, has the United States since the 50s actually sat down and rethought its revenue laws in its entirety? I don't think they did it in 86, even though that's called tax reform. No, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even think they thought about it. So, you know, we've got a tax system that's, you know, at least 75 years old, if not more. And, you know, as you know, in the area of international tax, uh, you know, the world is operating on treaties that were negotiated in the 1920s, right? I mean, you know, it's completely out of touch with, with the modern world. It's a huge drag on the modern world. And, you know, it's definitely an impediment to society being good, I think. Don't you? I completely agree. So what would be required to, you know, get these people to sit down and say, you know, the number one problem is not the government. The number one problem is the rules that regulate the relationship between the government and the citizens. And that happens to be the tax system. And what can we do to rethink it? I mean, is it even possible? Well, I mean, look, I think there's, a, I think there's a, a, another question that needs to be asked before you rethink the tax code. And, and, and that's more to what you were saying is, well, what is the role of government supposed to be and what is the government supposed to provide what need, what within the government needs to be funded and then you need to figure out a type of fair tax code to be able to pay for that because what i but, think is is, is 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 fundamentally unfair is it's just you know taxes are essentially a percentage of income to an infinite degree and the government really has no restraints on what it's allowed to spend money on and so it spends it on 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 you know, a lot of things that uh, I think most citizens don't agree with. Well, or to put it another way, I don't think there's any relationship whatsoever between taxation and, uh, you know, services. Well, I I mean, I don't know. Look, I I think that there's certain basic services or, or, or functions a government should provide, right? Like, I mean, it needs to be able to provide, uh, you know, there needs to be infrastructure, there needs to be, uh, you know, a military for defense, not offense. I, I think there are certain things that, that need to be provided um, by a government. And, you know, you need taxes to pay for those things. But do you have a sense that when when governments think about taxes, they think about in relation to providing these kinds of services, or do you think they just think about taxation for the sake of taxation? No, I think the way the governments think about taxation is this. I just think that, that you know, all these representatives get together and figure out all the money that they want to spend on whatever, and then figure out that they don't have enough, and then start thinking about how to get enough through taxation. Without a change in the way taxation works, do you think that our society as a whole is headed down a road towards more good or towards more evil? More evil, for sure. 
I mean, I, I your, think, I think, what was that? And your reason? Well, I mean, I just think that, that the, you know, the taxation is becoming more complex. It's becoming unreasonably high. You're seeing sentences for tax crimes that are sometimes more harsh than um, for, for murder. Uh, and people are having a hard time surviving, especially small, small businesses. And, uh, and, and the government just keeps getting more aggressive and more aggressive towards its citizens. You know, there's exit taxes to keep people from leaving. Um, you know, when they get audited, very, the, the IRS and other tax agencies are very aggressive towards them. The penalties are high. And I think that's all just going to continue to get worse. And at some point, it's going to start driving a lot of the economy underground, I think. Well, don't you think it already has? Well, I don't know. I, I, I think that I think in you know when you read Charles Adams's book and you go back, I think that it was a lot more prevalent because I think today it's much more difficult to have an underground economy because you know they keep cut they cut, keep cutting off the uses of cash, right? I mean, here in Spain, for example, if you try to pay for something with a five hundred euro bill, they're supposed to report you to the financial authorities. You're kidding me? No, and I mean there's a there's a lot of places. If you go in and you try to pay with a 200 euro bill, uh, they, they won't accept it because they don't want to get questioned by their bank why they're depositing uh, 200 euro bills. And I mean, it's pretty normal in, in Europe now. You know, if you're paying more than a few hundred euros for something, they want you to pay with a card. They don't want the hassle of the cash. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Of course, one of the uh, byproducts of the pandemic, I think, at least in Canada has been discouraging the use of cash. Well, I think this is worldwide. Yeah. All right. Well, so this has been another interesting discussion. And, you know, I think if if nothing else, we can see the relationship between taxation and movements towards good or movements toward evil. Anything you want to add? And if not, how would people get a hold of you? EsquireGroup.com or shoot us an email at info at EsquireGroup.com. All right. Well, that's great. And until next week, thank you very much. Thank you.